Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if the Lord will be my helper this morning, I'm going to do my best to try to expound some principles from the Word of God this morning on the subject of the witness of the Holy Spirit. John chapter number 3 and verse number 7, the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus, Marvel not, that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And according to the Lord Jesus, the single most important thing to any human being whatsoever is the new birth. Now you need to get a hold of that and you need to understand that there are many things that Christ taught that were important, that were true, wonderful sayings of God. But no one thing did Jesus Christ exalt any more than the fact that ye must be born again. The new birth experience is essential for you to have salvation and you to have eternal life. But after that, the second most important thing after salvation itself is to give God glory for who He is and for what He has done for you. Now listen to this. Stay with me here. 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, For we are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. When that says confession is made unto salvation, that's not talking about confessing your sins. That means confessing that Jesus is your Savior publicly, letting it be known that I've been saved and God's done something for me and God has changed me. Now this morning, I don't need to remind you, but I'm going to, Satan is a liar. He is a master deceiver, and if you're saved, he'll tell you you're lost. And if you're lost, he'll tell you you're saved. And that's all he knows how to do this morning is to lie. And whatever situation you find yourself in, if you can distinguish who's doing the talking, you'll know what's right and what's wrong. If Satan's doing the talking, he's lying this morning no matter what he says. But how do you cut through all the lies? How do you cut through all the strange voices and get to the place where you can know with absolute assurance without any shadow of a doubt whether or not you have really experienced the new birth? How are you going to know that? There are so many voices. There are so many opinions. There are so many feelings and ideas. But in those three little general epistles of John, little short books, 22 times John used the four-letter word K-N-O-W. You can know that you've been born of the Spirit of God. 
I do not have a hope so salvation. I do not have a think so salvation. I do not have a maybe so salvation. When God saved me, he gave me a no-so salvation. And I realize there are denominations that's built entire doctrines around their idea that you can't really know that you're saved. You can just hope so, and, and only you can know in the great judgment day whether you're really saved or not. The only problem with that doctrine is that you'd have to throw your Bible away and commit intellectual suicide to believe that. If you read this book, this book tells you you can know that you pass from death unto life, and there are a lot of reasons that you can know that. The word know by definition means to regard as true beyond any doubt, to perceive or recognize as being familiar through and by experience. Do you know why this morning one reason I know I'm saved? I've experienced God's salvation. I've experienced the work of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God has done it. One way we can know here is the witness of the Word of God. Does your so-called salvation experience line up with what this book says? But number two is the witness of the Holy Ghost of God. Look in John chapter number 14. I'll read you several verses here that will help you understand this. John 14, 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live. Ye shall also live. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them... He is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judah saith unto him, Not his carry, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace. I leave with you, and my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus made his disciples a promise 
that future tense on the day of Pentecost that he would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, to live and dwell inside the hearts of those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. Now this morning, most of us understand simply why Satan would tell a lost man that he's saved. That's not hard to figure out. But why would he tell a saved man that he's lost? When a saved individual publicly confesses Jesus Christ as Savior by mouth first and then by water baptism, there is a witness of the Holy Ghost of God that glorifies God and looses the power of the Holy Spirit that exhorts believers and brings conviction on sinners. I don't know if Miss Sissy remembers it or not. Miss Sissy, God saved her and did a work in her heart. And then the devil started messing with her and tried to get her confused about when she really got saved. You remember standing up here saying you got saved that night? And, and then later you said, that ain't right. Why did you say that ain't right? There was no witness of the Holy Ghost of God in what you were saying. And a lot of folks this morning scared to death to stand up and give any kind of testimony because you realize when you open your mouth, you are on your own, buddy. There ain't no Holy Ghost of God to stand up and say, Amen, what they're saying's right. But what a blessed, sweet thing when any little child of God stands up to give their testimony. And I know you ain't got God on you all the time but I'm going to tell you what once in a while if you're saved God the Holy Ghost will get on you to tell folks what God did for you and the Holy Spirit of God will stand up and say that's exactly right buddy that's what happened now there are some this morning that I'll grant you are in deep trouble because you've been saved by the grace of God. But you've got this thing so twisted and contorted in your mind that you ain't even understanding when and how you got saved. And you try to tell a story that's confused and twisted and mangled and messed up and there's no witness of the Holy Ghost of God in what you say. Now I'm going to try to help you with this. Satan can confuse you. Even though you may well be saved, he'll paralyze you and take away God's glory. And he'll cause you to live a defeated life and never have any power with God. Because the Holy Ghost will not stand up and bear witness to a lie. Let me, let me just stop right here and plow in for just a minute. When I was 12 years old, as best I understood, I did the Baptist thing. At 12 years old, there's no doubt in my mind the Holy Spirit of God dealt with me. I believe He hooked me. I believe He planted a seed in my heart that I never got away from. I came to an altar. I cried. I wept bitter tears. I prayed. I did everything I knew from my simple little childlike heart to get saved. But God had not worked faith and God had not worked repentance in my heart. And I had emotional experience and I did not get saved. And you know one reason I know I did not get saved? My life didn't change. My life didn't. I went right back. I mean, I was just a 12-year-old kid, but I went right back to the same sins that I'd been involved in, and then I got into worse stuff. I did not get saved. 
But there came a day at 25 years of age that God wore me out and broke me down like a double-barrel shotgun. God broke my heart in conviction. God brought me to a place, Brother Jesse, all by myself at 3 o'clock in the morning on a raggedy couch and gave me simple childlike faith to trust Him. God gave me a heart of repentance and I cried out for mercy. I, probably the only prayer I even said that night was, God, forgive me. And God saved me and changed me that night. The story don't end there. You listen to me. I went on for a period of time. And when, when that took place that night, I cannot explain the joy that flooded my soul. I cannot explain to you the burden of sin being lifted off of me and how God changed my outlook on everything from that night forward. I mean, there wasn't a choir singing just as I am. I didn't get in an altar with two preachers and pray some long drawn out prayer, but God changed my world that night and everything about me changed that night I went for several years brother Jody that I would go back to that little profession when I was 12 years old and I'd say I got saved when I was 12 years old now listen Miss Francis I was saved I was born again but there was no witness of the Holy Ghost of God when I'd start trying to tell my story because God the Holy Ghost is not going to stand up and swear to a lie. God's trying to help some of you this morning. Don't you miss it. And I wallered with that thing and I knew God and I knew him in fellowship and I'd get around where God was moving and I could I could worship and rejoice in the things of God. I could pray and get my prayers answered, but I had a confusing stumbling block in my life. And I was in Kansas. And I'd been out there preaching for another man, and I was there in Kansas, and I got to wrestling this thing, Brother Jesse. When did I really get saved? My pastor had always made this statement real regular. He said, if you're really saved, you're really born again, you shouldn't be afraid to ask God humbly, Lord, if I'm really saved, where did you save me? When did it take place? God, will you show me? If I belong to you, show me where it took place. Because God gave you a comforter. God gave you the Holy Ghost to God. And God said the comforter would lead you into all truth. And if you won't know the truth, whether or not you're saved, ask the one that's truth. And I got to asking God, Lord, I believe I'm saved, but God, if I'm not, I want to be saved. Lord, if I'm saved, show me where you saved me because the devil had hammer on me. And I get confused and I think, well, I ain't even saved. Well, yeah, I was. But the Holy Ghost of God wasn't bearing witness with it. Why? Because I had my story all twisted up. And finally, God got it through. My thick skull, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, and that all begins in your heart. And the Holy Ghost would say, Mike, where did you change? And I'd say on that couch when I was 25 years old, but what about what I've told people all these years? And if I've told them this all these years, and if I really got saved when I was 25, I'm not even been scripturally baptized. 
And then the shame and the guilt. And then Satan comes in and says, you can't stand up and tell people that. They'll think you lost your mind. Ain't that right, Miss Diane? All kinds of stuff to keep you beat down. And as long as you're saved by the grace of God and in that position, you're powerless. You can't do nothing. The devil's got you bound up and you cannot do a thing to glorify God. My precious little old sister got saved in her bedroom by herself. And she was praying, pouring her heart out to God. And she knew something had changed in her life. But it was a few years before she understood what had took place. And God let me go through the experience that I went through. And when God really let me get that thing nailed down, and God let me go back and get baptized and get this thing right, I never will forget. It was on a Sunday at lunch at my mama's house. I stood up and told the church that morning and at my mama's house that day, I stood up and I said, I need to tell y'all something. I did not get saved when I was 12 years old. That ain't right. But I got saved when I was 25 years old on a couch up here in this green trailer. My mama looked at me and said, I knew there's something different about you. (laughs) My sister got a hold of the fact that she had got saved. And she started coming to the little mission work that we'd started in our basement. And I, I don't know if I did or not. She felt like I preached on 2 Corinthians five seventeen every Sunday. But that got to work it in her heart. And the Holy Ghost of God showed her, Hey, Velda, when did the change take place? And she'd always go back to that place in her bedroom where the change took place. And once she got a hold of that, she stood up one morning, tears streaming down her face publicly in church and said, and I got saved in my bedroom and I just want to thank God and glorify Him. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost of God began to bear witness with her story. Amen. Guess what? It's just like getting saved all over again. Because there's a power that's loosed when that takes place. Salvation's not mechanical. Salvation's not a prayer. Salvation's not a formula. Salvation is not a ceremony or a ritual. But if you're not careful this morning, you'll stumble over the traditions of the elders and never really understand what real salvation is. Salvation has a person. His name's Jesus. And real Bible salvation revolves around the person of Jesus Christ. Not a fictional character, not just a historical figure, but the risen Son of God. And when I got saved, when I got born again of the Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus Christ came to me through the person of the Holy Ghost. He let me know He was real. He messed up my world. But Brother Jesse, the night I got saved, He gave me comfort and let me know He was a real person. And I have had real fellowship with Him ever since. And from that day forward, see, back before I was saved, I tried to make God and religion part of my life. And it was a big part of my life. But the day I got saved, Jesus Christ became my life. Because he is life. Do you understand that? And he is the person of salvation. There's a plan. God's plan for salvation begins with his provision in the person. But before you ever know you got a problem, you got to have preaching. Because the preacher of the Word of God shows a man or a woman you're in trouble and you need help and shows you Jesus is the answer. God's plan involves faith and repentance. 
Now stay with me this morning. There's somebody getting some help today, but you need to get a hold of this. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And supernatural saving faith this morning is a gift from God that you cannot produce in your flesh. You cannot pray enough prayers. You cannot say enough good words to produce faith in your heart. You see, we've trained all of our life that it's mechanical. You need to say the sinner's prayer. I mean, you need to go down the Romans road and the Ephesians bypassed and the Galatians overpassed and all of this stuff that you get. And my wife, bless her heart, was lost. And she was trying to find the door and trying to get in the door, trying to get saved. And she laid on the couch all day long and prayed every prayer she needed to pray. God have mercy on me a sinner. Lord Jesus, I know you come to save sinners and I'm asking you to save me. Is this All of the prayers she needed to pray, guess what? Didn't get no relief. Finally got up and was frustrated with her own self and what she was going through. And walked through the hallway and standing in front of the clothes dryer, the Holy Ghost of God spoke to her and said, will you trust me? And my wife, in a simple act of childlike faith, said, Yes, Lord, I'll trust you. Hey, do you understand why it is that some of you, when you got saved, said, I felt like a sinner as I stepped out of that pew toward the altar. I got saved. What was it? It wasn't a prayer. It wasn't a ritual or a ceremony. But in your heart, you were trusting God. That's why you took the step. It wasn't the step that saved you. It was the trust in your heart that caused you to take that step. And see, that messes up a lot of Baptist theology. Because salvation is by grace through faith. It takes faith and repentance. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And you know what works faith in your heart? You begin to see this Word's true. God begins to tell you you're lost. You ain't never been saved. You've never really had that change in your life. And guess what happens next? The Holy Ghost of God stands up as a witness and says, you know, that's right. And then you see somebody else and they get full of God and they stand up and begin to tell about how God changed their life. And you see their life like Miss Pat Bowling. And you see how God's changed them and made them different. And the Holy Ghost of God stands up and says, you know, that's right. And that builds faith in you to believe God and believe He's right. And one day God gives you that supernatural call and says, Come to me. And something in your heart says, I know that's right. And the best of your ability, you try to go to God. And it might be a prayer. You might not know what to say. But it's not what you say. It's the condition of your heart. It takes faith repentance and they're inseparable twins. Now I know a lot of that Hiles Anderson crowd looks at me and the Lordship Salvation people and says, now you believe that if you get saved you've got to change to get saved. I don't believe that, Brother Jesse. I believe when you get saved you change. But I believe repentance is something that God works in your heart. And godless sorrow worketh repentance. You know what that is? That's conviction. That's God wearing you out till you get to a place where you say, I'm tired of carrying this. 
I'm not going to carry this anymore. I'm, I'm going to quit running from God. I'm going to quit running for the conviction. I can't deal with this anymore. And God works godly sorrow in your heart not to be repented of. And when God gives you that godly sorrow in your heart, it's not that you change. It's that you are willing to change. You're willing to be changed. You're willing to let God make you somebody different. And instantaneously that faith and that repentance, God works in your heart. You're born into the family of God. And it's different. And the burden of sin just leaves. And all of a sudden... You may not understand it, but there'll be a peace. There'll be a peace and there'll be a joy you ain't never known before. And God will make, I'll never forget, I'll never forget when I first got saved. I did not understand what it even took place. I thought I rededicated. I didn't even know that word ain't even in the Bible. But I remember, Brother Wesley, when I first got saved, there was a joy in my soul that I couldn't explain and people could just look at me and know that a man that used to carry the sin and the weight of the world on his shoulders all of a sudden had been liberated and God had set me free from my past and God had set me free from the bondage of sin and there's just a joy that comes in your life and you want to serve God, you want to do things you never wanted to do before. Listen, God so changes you. We've been praying for Miss Frances, and I love you, sis. She, she's one of my elder daughters. My wife walked in the house one day. We might have been riding down the road from church. That's what it was. We was riding down the road from church. My wife looked over me in the car. She said, Frances Clary got saved. I said, do you think so? She said, I know so. I said, what makes you think that? She said, her countenance is different. She looks different. I said, well, if she did, it'll show up on her. Amen. It wasn't long. She had to get up in front of this church say, I got saved. Amen. I'm going to tell you what, God puts that in your heart. The devil will try to confuse you. He'll try to get you so scared you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say, but it loses the power of the Holy Ghost of God and gives God glory when God saves somebody's soul and they're willing to stand up and say, it don't what you think I don't mean to confuse you or hurt your feelings but I was lost and God saved me and changed me and made me different ain't that good that's what God does hallelujah this morning I got more messages but I'm going to quit here because I believe God's through 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Here's the clincher this morning. When did you change? Derek, when did the change take place? Miss Lord, when did your change take place? Benny, when did the change take place? Tony, where was you when the change took place? Miss Jamie, where was you when the change took? You just grinning. <laughs> Some of you grinning because you know when the change took place. And then I hear people and they confuse themselves. And sometimes they confuse me, Brother Jesse, but not real bad. Because they tell all these stories about how I got saved when I was a kid. And you know, and then there's a whoremonger and a drunkard and a cusser and a doper and all this stuff. And then they say, I got right with God a little bit later on, and, but I got saved. You know what? Uh-uh. 
Uh-uh. Don't be telling me that. You're going to have to get you another Bible to believe that. And in your heart, the Holy Ghost of God ain't saying, yeah, you're right, and that preacher's wrong. No. When did you change? When did the change take place? And I see folks almost all the time, everywhere I look, folks that have that little old story about, you know, when I was little, I went to an altar, Bible school, or this or that, and I got saved then. And you know they've lived wicked as the devil. And you have to know that one of two things, either they really... Really, Brother Jason, they really got saved somewhere else on down the road, like my sister did in her bedroom, or they're still lost. One of the two. But you're going to have to junk that childhood mess if you've lived wicked as the devil. One of two things. You either really got her nailed down somewhere else, or you're still lost. And if you're really saved, I mean really, truly born of the Spirit of God, and you ain't got that thing nailed down, you're worthless. The devil will make a fool out of you and turn you inside out everywhere you turn. And you say, Brother Mike, I want to know. Well, if, if you really want to know, all you got to do is be honest with God. How about this? How about humbly in an altar, Lord? God, I, I'm tired of wrestling this thing. God, I, I, I ain't living in this bondage no more, God, if I'm saved. You showed me where you saved me. You showed me where you changed me. And I'll not be ashamed to stand up because I've confused the whole world with my silly little testimony about how I got... Listen, I, I confused the world, Miss Pat, telling folks that I got saved when I was 12 and then you smoke dope and drink liquor and tell dirty jokes and, and be whatever it is that I was throughout my life. And that's confusing. And that gives lost folks a pass to say, that. well, I, you, know, you know, he was saved. He just wasn't right with God. That's, I'm just not right with God. I'm really saved. When you really get that thing nailed down, and you really get that thing settled where this took place, and when you get that settled, you're in a place where God can loose the power of the Holy Ghost. Listen, God changed my world, Miss Nita, when I got a hold of when I really got saved. Because God did not save you to give you a fire escape and an insurance policy to keep you out of hell. That is not why you get saved. Why does God save you? To glorify Him. To conform you to the image of Christ and you can give him glory and honor. And that's why a lot of folks can never give him glory and honor. Because number one, they ain't saved. And then there's other folks that really do get saved, but they never really get to glorify God because they never really get a hold of this. My precious mother was saved for about six months before she ever told anybody. God saved her in her lift chair in the TV room there at my mama's house. My mom was saved. She knew God had changed her. And finally one night, one Sunday night sitting at the kitchen table, my mama, 81 years old, looked at me and Miss Lori as somber and serious as she could be. And she said, I got something I need to tell y'all. She said, I'm awful sorry. I didn't mean to. She said, I've been religious all of these years. I've been religious and I was lost. 
But I want you to know in September, back there in that limb chair, I couldn't even get down on my knees. But the best I could, I knelt in that chair and I asked God to save me. And the Holy Ghost of God bore witness with her testimony. And God gave her power to be a witness because she got that thing nailed down. And she wasn't ashamed to tell what God did for her. Amen. 